Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just $3.33. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a dramatic win for the lacrosse team and big changes for Orange Hoops. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is ESPN and SNY's Eamon McEnany. Eamon, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Looking uh, forward to it. I wanted to get you started on this one. What's been the biggest difference that you've seen from Syracuse over this four-game win streak that they've had? Well, I mean, unfortunately, it's pretty obvious because you only can really point to one spot that was so different, and that's the face-off game. Uh, you know, that was the glaring uh, problem throughout the year, and it blew up in the Duke game. And, um, you know, Chris Daddio has done a tremendous job of not just, you know, battling there and doing 50-50 there, but winning his battles. You know, against some of the guys, you know, when you left Durham, you looked at the, who they had left in Liam O'Connor at Notre Dame, Doug Tesorio at Cornell, and R.G. Keenan at North Carolina, you're like, you know, it doesn't get any easier. And he's done a great job in winning those battles. His wingmen have helped Peter McCartney getting that ball to that offense, which even in the games that they lost, you know, specifically the Virginia game, you could tell how efficient they were and how well they played together in the six-on-six. So it starts right there with Chris Daddio turning his season around. Now, there's obviously a lot of talk about him, and rightfully so. What's been the change that you've seen? Is it an issue of technique, or was it more of an issue of just confidence? Uh, you know, I, I do not pretend to know what goes on at the face-off game. <laughs> uh, that, you know, that is those guys, I think it's a lot of confidence, obviously. I mean, you look at the guy, he just went up against an R.G. Keenan. I mean, we had a game earlier this year where he was getting his uh, – he was getting his, you know, his bell rung against Johns Hopkins, and he turned it around and had a huge role in North Carolina winning that game in the second half. So uh, I think it's a lot of confidence. I think it helped you know, right off the bat that he won that first one against Notre Dame. I think if he had lost that one early against Notre Dame, you, know, you could tell the team's emotions from Syracuse by how they're doing in the face-off game. So I thought him battling early against Liam O'Connor was huge a couple games ago. So one of the 
corollaries of that North Carolina win it was that they secured a spot, one of those top four spots, to qualify for the ACC tournament. How important is it for this team that they are one of those top four spots and that they do qualify? Uh, how about zero? <laughs> I, re no, I really don't think it's that. Look, I think it's a big deal because it gives them a chance to, you know, get back at Duke, get some payback at Duke. Sure. Um, but at the same point, maybe it gives them an opportunity to get beat 21-7 to again by Duke. Uh, you know, I think Duke's playing that well right now. I thought Syracuse was in the NCAA tournament once it beat Cornell and Notre Dame. Um, so I don't think losing that North Carolina – you know, obviously, look, it's a, don't get me wrong. It's great that if they can win that and win the first-ever ACC tournament they play in, it's huge for the program. It bumps them up to a top-four seed in a home game. But I think they get a home game anyway, even if they lose to Duke. Um, but I, I just don't think – I don't think there's that big a difference. I think all six ACC teams are in. I think Notre Dame's in a little shaky ground because of their record. Uh, they're going to need to finish above 500. But I think every ACC team has the uh, big wins that the committee's looking for that's going to get them into the NCAA tournament. So let's look ahead a little bit because you just mentioned Syracuse, regardless of what happens in the ACC tournament, they're going to the NCAA tournament. So do you see Syracuse as a legitimate contender or do you need to see a little bit more from them over the next couple of games going into that NCAA tournament before you can really determine how far they're going to go? I mean, again, cause I'd like to see how they stand up against Duke because the last time they played Duke, uh, quite honestly, I thought they mailed it in. I, I thought they got down and I thought they started looking for the bus. <laughs> now, you know, no, I, you know, it was a lousy day. They couldn't win a faceoff. Their pitch got a penalty. Uh, now, to give them credit, they didn't pack it in after that. You know, like I said, I walked out of that Coskinen Stadium saying, you know, how is this team going to respond? Well, the answer has been an emphatic pretty well. Um, you know, they've won. You know, they've won every game since. But you know, can they stop Duke when Duke keeps getting the ball over and over and over? If that's the case again. Amen. We'll get you out here on this one. You know, there's a lot of very good teams out there right now going into the, the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. Who do you see as the favorite, and who's your dark horse? Uh, I think Duke's the favorite hands down right now, the way they've played. I mean, they've blitzed some good teams. Uh, they blitzed Notre Dame. Uh, they blitzed Syracuse. They took care of Harvard, uh, which is obviously a pretty good team that we know now. Uh, Virginia came back and gave a battle, but at some point even in that game, it looked like uh, men among boys. Now, Luke Dupree getting hurt, uh, we don't know, I don't know his official status yet, uh, is a big deal. I mean, he's sort of their protector. He's a, a stud at the uh, at the long stick midi. So he sets the tone for them defensively. So I think that's a big deal. But if Brendan, Brendan Fowler's winning faceoffs and Luke Aaron's making saves like he did against Virginia, they're going to be awfully tough to beat. Uh, it's hard to call Syracuse a dark horse because of the way they're playing lately. But I think, you know, like I said, we're going to find out an awful lot about Syracuse that Friday night uh, when they play Duke again. Um, again, Carolina's a top-10 team, so I don't know if they qualify as a dark horse, but I think they can handle Duke if they figure out a face-off game. And I'm very curious to see what Notre Dame has left in the tank uh, this Saturday when they play Maryland because I think with Liam O'Connor winning face-offs in that defense, if any way they can get around not, not having to play Duke, the Irish might be able to sneak in there as well. So I gave you about five dark horses. I guess that, that's trying kind of cheating on my part. But I'll say, <laughs> I'll say Duke's the favorite, and I'll go Notre Dame as a dark horse just because I don't think the Irish have played well lately, so people are kind of writing them off. Eamon, thanks so much for coming on today. Enjoy the rest of the lacrosse season. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Good one. Always a pleasure to talk lacrosse with Eamon. He's just such a wealth of knowledge, and it's great to have him on. But I'm now joined by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are we today? 
I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, I wanted to start with the latest news from Syracuse basketball because Jeremy Grant declaring for the NBA draft yesterday. We've actually talked about this over the last two podcasts, and I don't think I agree with his decision, but there it is. Well, you know, it was inevitable whether it was going to be this year or next year. He certainly wasn't going to be a four-year college player. And let's look at it this way, Wes, just simply time to get paid for his vocation. Uh, maybe it's going to involve you know, training, even the D-League. Uh, who knows how quick he'll be able to make a contribution, Jeremy Grant, in the NBA uh, with his development. But you've got to be certain that his father and uncle, both longtime NBA players, did their due diligence, did the research, did what they thought was best for the family from a financial standpoint. So it's simply time to get paid for his vocation. You know, I tell the story back way back in the 70s when Bob Costas went to Syracuse, was a Newhouse student, Wes, and in the spring of his senior year, all of a sudden came a phone call one day when he liked to do play-by-play -play in the old ABA with the Spirits of St. Louis. And what was he going to say? No, I want to stay at WAER until I graduate. It's time to get paid for his vocation. And it's certainly no different with these great athletes who play a year or two in major college sports. And when they see that they've reached their peak collegially, it's simply time to get paid. And I agree, Brad. And I, I think as we know it, as we know the situation, maybe it wasn't best for him to, to leave because I don't think he has certain skill sets that he could develop over time at Syracuse. But the reality is we're not inside that room. We're not inside that household. And we don't have the entire situation, all the facts in front of us. We're kind of outsiders looking in in this situation. And there might be something that's going on that we don't know about that would make it like perfect sense for him to leave. So in terms of him leaving, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. He's a great player. He's a great kid. He's got a lot of improvement to make over time, but I think he'll be able to do that. And he has, you know, a father and an uncle who did very well in the NBA. So I wish him the best of luck, and I think he's going to do very well eventually. But Brad, let's and along the lines of what you just said, Wes, you know, it could have been as simple as when he had the injured back last season and missed those games. They could have gotten together as a family and said, we're simply not going to take the risk of an injury in college again next year. Exactly. And again, we're not in that room and we don't know. So I, 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 there's, there's nothing more to say. The decision's been made. And now we'll see him in the NBA draft at Madison Square Garden in June. But Brad, I wanted to move on to lacrosse because what a great ending to that Syracuse-UNC game. Double overtime, a uh, goal to win it, and you know the, the Caradome explodes. It just seems like Syracuse is just playing their best lacrosse, and they're on quite a tear right now. Another biggest win of the season, uh, you know, <laughs> add to the chapter of what, what's been a great month for the Orange. And uh, these were two evenly matched teams. You know, when you look at the ACC, six, all six teams are in the top ten. So it's very competitive. Even Virginia was just one uh, ACC win, which was over Syracuse. So these were two evenly matched teams. Syracuse down the stretch got it together with Chris Daddio. We talked about him last week. As he goes, I think the team goes from an offensive standpoint, and it was really a thriller. And what a great way to, to, to cap off the ACC first season and regular season play with that double overtime win. And Syracuse is now guaranteed a spot at the ACC tournament, which, Brad, you will be down there, Chester, PA, covering. Uh, and one of the teams they should end up playing is Duke. And Duke walloped them 21-7 to earlier in the year. I'm, I'm very interested to see how they stack up now that there's the improved face-off game and they're really firing on all cylinders because I think we're going to get to see that rematch. Yes, it looks like from what I was figuring, Wes, it's Duke either way. If Syracuse is the fourth or third seed, they would still play Duke. 
uh, you know, contingent on the Maryland-Notre Dame final ACC game coming up also on Saturday. And then those two teams will have a rematch in that ACC championship. So there's no doubt Syracuse wants Duke. I mean, three <laughs> losses in a row for the last three seasons. Getting them for a second time this year is something that, you know, they're looking their chops over because, as we said, this is a different Syracuse team than the one that lost to Duke back in late March. Brad, I'm about to commit a little bit of podcast history here with you because we've always talked about one sport, of course, and then two sports. But we've never done all three major Syracuse sports. So I wanted to switch gears one final time and talk to you about the football team. And you wrote in your weekly Orange Watch column that Syracuse is entering year two of the Scott Schaefer era beginning this Saturday with the spring game. He mentioned earlier that his goal this season is eight wins. Do you think that's a good goal? Is it a legitimate goal? I think it's legitimate and certainly love to talk the trifecta talk of armed sports, first of all. And <laughs> Scott Schaefer uh, planning that goal at eight makes total sense to me. I really thought they should have won eight games last year, losing that Pittsburgh game by a point in the Dome, the second-to-last game of the year. But I think he, he's right on. And I've written and we've talked about on the podcast throughout the winter, the time is now to take this program towards the top 25. And to do that, you're certainly going to need uh, in the eight-to-nine win range and doing it against you know, a competitive schedule, which the NCAA says on paper is the eighth toughest for the Orange with teams that were in bowl games last year. So I think it's fair with the great recruiting uh, the, the, uh, class that's coming in and the uh, development of the players in, in the second year under Schaefer. I think it's fair, and I think it's something that's totally doable. Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. And sticking with a little bit of Syracuse football as a theme, the forecast in Syracuse Saturday calls for a few showers and 51 degrees, so not a better place to be than inside the Carrier Dome <laughs> for the spring game. And Syracuse fans, let's see you come out in force. It's free admission, free parking. They're going to give away some food. Coach Schaefer's going to be on the wireless mic telling everyone what's going on. Should be a fun day with giveaways. Get out, Syracuse football fans, and get a first glimpse of the 2014 team Saturday, 1 o'clock kickoff. Brad, I'm going to shift back to basketball for my closing thought. 2015 combo guard Franklin Howard committing to Syracuse last night, joining Tyler Lydon and Malachi Richardson in the 2015 class. That could very well be Bayhine's final year as head coach of the Orange. They have a very talented class so far, and they still have open scholarships remaining, so I'm interested to see what they're going to do with that. Just an amazing job on the recruiting trail by this coaching staff. That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that whenever I'm on my computer, I don't type LOL. I type LQTM. Laugh quietly to myself. Why? Because it's more honest. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, 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 yeah.